Wink. Welcome back to the Winkly. It is me, your managing editor, Nick Hausman, and we are teed up and ready to go this Tuesday with my good friend. Wait, you're not you're not Michael Weissman. You're Justin Labar. Justin Labar joining us here on the Tuesday Winkly. Gracing your Tuesday Winkly, and not only Wrestling Inc. fans am I on the Winkly on this Tuesday, this rare Tuesday, but I'm also doing the post SmackDown review tonight for wrestling inc so i am just peppering your tuesday with wrestling reality so much those post shows man very very successful very people really seem to like those post show conversations over there on the wrestling inc youtube channel so i'm sure you'll be a wonderful addition there tonight it's because you watch this programming right now and then you go I have to talk to somebody and see if I'm as crazy as them or they're as crazy as me. I did. Raj Raj put up a tweet last night that was like, uh, what are your thoughts on Raw or something? And there were several people that responded, I don't know. I'll find out when I watch your show tonight and you tell me what you thought of, of Raw. More people opting to go the review route than the actual programming route. Uh, yeah, I'm sure Vince loves to hear that. Hmm. Well, uh, before we get to uh, all of our news here today, and of course the post-show here tonight, uh, I wanted to start off the show on a bit of a somber note. Uh, we lost somebody in the world of pro wrestling this past Saturday night during a match with Juventud Guerrero. Silver King collapsed in the ring. He later died of a heart attack. Uh, many of you probably know, if you're of the same ilk of me, the Attitude Era kids, uh, you probably know Silver King best uh, as from his work in WCW from 97 uh, to, to 2000. Uh, when he was part of the cruiserweight division in WCW, arguably the prime of cruiserweight wrestling. Uh, but he was also a AAA World Tag Team Champion, an all-Japan pro wrestling junior heavyweight champion. And uh, one of those names that I heard, and I hadn't thought of Silver King in a while, but a lot of uh, fond memories, again, coming back from that period there in WCW and uh, a loss. I know he was uh, very well-loved within the pro wrestling community, Justin. Yeah, he was. Those who worked with him uh, in the Lucha Libre world, uh, definitely he was one of the uh, one of the ones you heard a lot of positive from. I, I, what, what's nuts about this? I mean, obviously it's tragic. And then if you if 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 you dare, if you can, you know, if you're strong enough to watch the video um, of 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 the match of the tail end of the match when when all this goes down, it's just infuriating beyond the sadness. It's infuriating on both Hooventude's part and the the referee of. You know, there's a difference between man, a guy's really selling and a guy's dying, um, and you know they're trying to roll him over for a pin or they're trying to get them to go to the next spot. And this guy is obviously having a, a, a cardiac issue. He this is this is this is real life now, and just the lack of and then and then they finally you know get him to where they pin him, and you can see the referee has this long long hesitation before he goes down for the three count because he's expecting a kick out. It, it was just it, the, the the dedication to try to finish the match. Uh, you know, we hear about all oh, the dedication to finish a match when a guy's injured or work through the injury, but this is in the other scope of things. The dedication by the referee and Juventud to want to finish this match and not stop and realize, wait, there's something really wrong here. It potentially these minutes that went by is the difference of of if Silver King would be alive or not. Very, you're very, very well said. I haven't had the stomach to watch the video, but uh, what everything you just described is what I'd heard from from many people. So uh, even more so, unfortunate to think that this, I hate to say, could have been avoidable because y- you never know. But uh, man, that's well, that's I just awful. Ba- I just base it off of you know. I mean, obviously, I'm not a doctor, but I just base it off of you know how you know Jerry Lawler. How granted he wasn't in the ring, but you know Jerry Lawler is credited and said that if he if it had 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 Doctor Sampson not been right there ringside. If, you know, as he was for every match that evening, 
um, you know, the, the, the minutes that would have gone by until Jerry Lawler would have gotten the proper attention, he probably wouldn't be with us today. So, you know, I just think about things like that, that, you know, uh, had they just stopped the match and alerted somebody, who knows what the difference of those few minutes could have been. Um, you just hope to think, I, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's terrible when you watch it. Uh, well, uh, again, our condolences go out to the, the family and friends of Silver King, a legend. And uh, yes, uh, very unfortunate to hear um, how this went down uh, this past weekend. Well, uh, on th- on that note, uh, we'll pivot here back to the show, uh, which we're going to give for you guys uh, all here today. Uh, lads and ladies, uh, the Winkly. Uh, of course, we're going to talk all the news of the week here, or the past five days, I should say, uh, with Justin. But later in the show, we do have a pair of interviews. Uh, the first one we're going to play after the news is the interview I did with Sammy Callahan, where we talk OVE, Impact, and native Ohioan, John Moxley. That's right. Of course, Moxley, uh, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, put that video out here a couple weeks ago now at this point. Created a lot of blo- a lot of buzz. You could only be OVE if you're from Ohio, and John Moxley is. And I know he's very good friends with Sammy Callahan, so I think you guys are going to like this one a lot. Also, Scott Fishman had the chance to sit down with MVP to discuss his recent TEDx talk about the way America treats its prisoners. Uh, excellent timing here on the release as MVP was just on Smirkonish this past weekend on CNN, talking a lot about this as well. So very different interviews, uh, but both great. I know you guys are going to love them. And just with that, let's get to it. News you can use. News that'll leave a bruise. Coming out of Raw last night, two big talking points. The first one, Justin Labar, Bray Wyatt has revealed his secret to his Fireflies on Firefly Funhouse. And that secret is uh, that he has somehow found a way to control and harness his evil energy, which has become this terrifying clown. Thoughts? Well done. Um, you know, back when the first one aired several weeks ago, a month ago, whatever it was, you know, I we played a little small clip on this on the Winkley, and I, of course, had the full ver- full version on my personal podcast, Wrestling Oof. Reality, Oof. with Jason Baker, the guy who had directed it, and he, and he credited Tom Savini, who he worked with, who they had. Um, as they've done in the past, they they created the puppets, and, and apparently they've created the the mask that that we saw uh, Bray donning last uh, last night. And uh, yeah, it was well done. It, it, I mean, it was engaging. It was scary. It was obviously got a kind of a look of okay, this is what Bray might be looking like in his entrance now, in terms of the you know the, the ring attire and everything he was wearing. Um, started you know percolating questions that are exciting to think about like okay what are they going to change his music um is, is it going to be kind of like a finn balor kind of demon thing where we see bray wyatt kind of you know dare i say normal bray wyatt who's kind of a happy-go-lucky funhouse host and then he can switch you know turn the switch and, and be terrifying um like a corporate cane to cane i mean I, there was so much that came out of it there was so much i, I was i was I'm I'm really into it. I'm I'm at this point, you know, that it's one of the things I'm most looking forward to. Not only seeing, okay, are there more of these um, pre-taped vignettes, but now, of course, the question is, hey, all right, enough of the vignettes. When does Bray Wyatt reappear on live programming? I think I think you're absolutely right. I think there will be Bray Wyatt, quote unquote, normal Bray Wyatt, and like his khaki jeans and sweaters, uh, beating people down uh, until he gets to a point where he gets frustrated and has to bring out like you know, a la his Finn Balor demon, this new scary clown character. And, I, you know, we, we tried to get to the point where Bray Wyatt and Finn were going to do the Sister Abigail demon match. Uh, and then uh, there was a whole rash of sicknesses that happened that time and it got scrapped. Uh, this would be a return to that, which did seem to be working only with the stakes raised and maybe done for the better. Because I think Bray was going to, like, wrestle in a dress or something like that, which would have been ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the only concern I have is the same one that... Um... 
I'll put it this way. I, I, I the, the only concern I have is kind of what, what what I've already expressed with Finn Balor, which is, um, you know, once you see the demon, it at least to me, once you see the demon and the entrance and the, and the visual, and 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 he, and he seems to take it to a different level in the ring. It it makes then it makes then normal Finn Balor seem kind of eh to me. You know, I don't get as I don't get as excited. So that that would be the thing is that you know I, I just I would just be worried that like you know. I, I would be worried that then normal Bray Wyatt then all of a sudden is, is devalued or, um, you know, I, I, they, they walked a good balance when they between like corporate Kane and Kane, like how Kane would turn on and off of being, you know, his demonic kind of character. But that was done in a very kind of like, you know, cheap heel. You know, he was the henchman for the for whatever the authority figures were at the time. So, I mean, that, you know, so this is, you know, this to take to keep Bray at a certain level of seriousness, there's going to have to be a, a true commitment to protecting him, not not just. Uh, from a wins and losses standpoint, but it, but just you know, in what he would say, what he would do, uh, for all that standpoint. Now it certainly seems like the time and effort that's been put into these vignettes, and 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 the time and effort of keeping him off TV to really you know make him be missed and be forgotten before resurfacing. It seems like this is a long-term project that WWE's been working on and is going to continue working on. So I, it gives me hope that they would be committed to protecting him in all the ways I listed. But again, uh, as many of these Winkleys are us questioning and and, and people in the industry and, and current talent questioning the creative and booking, uh, you can't help but get a little worried that this something that could be really cool could be really, really uh, watered down quickly. I, I don't think I don't see. I mean, I get I get the similarities with Finn where it's like, you know, a version of yourself and then you create a darker version of yourself. But I, I think it's different in the sense that the Bray Wyatt dynamic is just so manic. Right. It's like so. I mean, Finn Balor. Uh, going from being Finn to being the Demon, it's kind of like watching Triple H put on the leather jacket for WrestleMania. You know, it's not a huge leap. I get it. You're upset. You're a darker version. You're the crawling around thing, whatever. With Bray Wyatt, I see to- two totally different entities. It's more in the line of like Mick Foley, Cactus Jack to me. You know, where it's I like, like that. Okay, I like that. Yeah. You know, it, it Mick Foley, overly lovable. How do you not love Mick Foley, right? And then Cactus Jack, very sadistic kind of guy. I think it's very different, and, I, and hopefully, if anything, maybe Bray, if he does get to have that that feud and moment with Finn, which I would think is logical, can push Finn to, to better explore who the Finn Balor character is here. Because what's so great about this is, yeah, the new Bray Wyatt, normal quote-unquote normal Bray Wyatt, is just as engaging to me as that scary clown, you know? Sure. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quiz you because it's so confusing anymore with the wild card rule and the the... Uh, month going shake up. Uh, what what brand does Finn Balor belong to? Finn Balor is on SmackDown. Okay, I'm just trying to think like, okay, what show would I need to keep an eye out for if 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 this if that was the direction they went in for Bray? Yeah, no, he was one of the big switches, I think okay. in week in week three of the shakeup. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It's this hard to keep track of. Uh, I don't even try anymore. Uh, um, so the other big story coming out of Raw last night was that Sami Zayn beat Braun Strowman in a false count anywhere match with the help and a ton of shenanigans from Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin to earn his spot in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, One of the best main events I'd seen on Raw in a while. Honestly, the last two hours of Raw were pretty good. The first hour was a little slow for me. last two hours, pretty to to very good for me. And I thought, yeah, I just really enjoyed this. And I'm happy to see uh, Sami heading into this match. I think he'd be a very compelling ladder match, uh, Money in the Bank holder. The only drawback here is it's a little jarring for me to see, even with you know every missile they needed to throw at this guy, um, Braun Strowman getting pinned. It's just a weird visual for me, you know. 
Well, yeah, I mean, on the one hand, I, I guess, and, I, and I'm a huge Braun fan, as anybody who listens to this knows. On the one hand, it's kind of like, all right, I'm all right with Braun being taken out of the match, especially if he was going to lose anyway. Like, if he wasn't going to win the match, um, it's kind of like, all right, let's just take him out, I mean, and you can justify it by protecting him. Uh, on the other hand, I wonder with with when 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 diving into the rumors and gossip of, you know, you know, it seems like Braun's push has been, you know, certainly reined back, and you know, maybe he forgot spots at WrestleMania, you know, whatever. You know, it makes me wonder. Okay, is is it is it is it punishment? Is it reward to Sammy, who Sammy seems to be catching on with this with this heel gimmick? You know, so there's a lot of things there. I thought I, I agree with you. I thought the um, it was a fun main event. Uh, it was enjoyable. Um, my my problem that I had was I didn't have a I didn't have a problem with them throwing every missile they needed in order to get Braun pinned. Obviously that 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 that, that makes sense to me. What I what the problem I had was after the match, all the work the other twenty minutes they spent getting all this heat on Sammy and and doing all this work to keep the big monster down, and then you know less than ninety seconds after Braun gets pinned, uh, he you know he ends up getting to to slam Sammy through a table. So to me it's kind of like all that heat. You, you just work to generate for Sammy, at least soak it in for the next week or something like that. I, I felt like in 90 seconds, it, it was kind of killed. I don't I think, know. I think it's because, I, I think it's cause, I don't know. I, I think Sammy's probably going to take this, tie, uh, this this briefcase, right? Of all the characters going into this match, he's by far the most compelling. And I think it was kind of one of those, I mean, it's I don't, you know, talk the logic what you will, but this is usually what WWE does before you get rewarded. There's usually some kind of big loss or something. So even after a win, I think that's why they did the table spot to kind of throw people off the scent that that Sammy could be walking out with this briefcase. Well, if he does end up doing that Sunday, then 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 I guess everything you said, I'll accept that. But if he doesn't, then I just say, well, you just kind of wasted what you kind of wasted what was otherwise a really good main event and it really been accomplished quite a bit if if, if he doesn't win. And I and for a record, I don't think he is going to win it Sunday. So you don't think? Who do you think is going to win it? Uh, I'm I'm looking at either Drew or Andrade. Okay, both good. Andrade would be was my pick until last night, but especially with Sammy with like henchmen now and stuff. I, I, you know, in that briefcase, everyone, you know, hating him. And well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I'd say Sammy had henchmen. I mean, I mean, and that's the funny thing is that it was actually a lot as 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 uh, as soon as Sammy pinned uh, and and got the one two three on Braun. I remember I said to myself, well, by true logic here. Um, the other, you know, Baron and Drew should attack Sammy because you know they got they got they used Sammy and got what they needed to accomplish, which is getting Braun out of the match. Now, now Sammy's an opponent of theirs. They should immediately turn and beat the crap out of Sammy. They didn't beat the crap out of him. They just tossed him back out to Braun. I would have I would have wished they would have just beat the hell out of Sammy, and that that would have been it. And we would have gone off the air. And again, it wouldn't have been Braun, you know, coming back from the dead and and then and throwing Sammy through the table. But you know. X's and O's are what they are, but no, I, I think Andrade or Drew is who I'm putting my uh, my as I play WrestleRumble.com, where you can win up to 500 bucks and the WWE UK title belt if for first place if you predict the, uh, the most things correctly. I am narrowing it down between Drew and Andrade, and I'll decide come Sunday. Okay, and yeah, I know Sammy, not necessarily Hinchman. You're right because they had a reason to do it, but just you know, I could see that relationship. You know, Sammy's so squirrely; he's going to be hiding behind everything right now. You know, Bobby Lashley is now apparently with Elias. You know, the, the, the most stable Ugh. faction in all of WWE, the premier players, has schismed. So I think, you know, that leaves these two open for, uh, for Sami Zayn. And you, you, rolled, you, you verbally rolled your eyes there when I said that. What was up with that, Justin? Elias and Lashley. Ugh. A Lashley? E. Lashley? Stop. Walk with E. Lashley. Stop it. It's good. I will, I, I will, I will, I will. I will mute my own mic and make you do a one-man show if you keep that up. Okay. 
We'll move on to uh, another big uh, story coming out of the past five days. Of course, WWE headed back to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, for another big show here in about a month. And uh, a b- bunch of big names have been announced. We now have a big match that's been announced for this show. The Undertaker is going to take on Goldberg. Now, my uh, first reaction to this over on Twitter, where I went to Pundit, was uh, I'll be interested to see if these two get time. Because I think the only reason Goldberg's last run with Brock Lesnar worked so well was because Brock really seemed to understand the Goldberg character. And the Goldberg character is not, like, known for 20-minute classics in the ring, you know? No, I mean, the Goldberg is a, is a quick boom, uh, and, and you're done. I mean, I, yeah, my, my first tweet was similar. My first tweet was, like, uh, c- considering the nature of their entrances, the Undertaker walks very slow, and there's a bunch of gongs before we see him and 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 what have you. And, and Goldberg, we usually see the, the backstage of him walking, or you know, at least sometimes we do, and then he gets the big pyro and stuff like that. And considering that the Saudi Arabia shows are, have massive stages, long ramps, uh, my, my immediate thought was dead serious. I think the combined... Uh, time of their entrances will be longer than the bell to bell match, uh, which might not be the bad thing. You know, I mean, it's um, it, it's kind of you know, this is this is the first time ever these two have ever met. Uh, obviously, if this happened 20 years ago, it's a much bigger deal than than it happening now. But um, you know, it really shows you this. I mean, and it, this is what third Saudi Arabia show, and I, I mean, I don't think I needed three shows to figure this. I don't think I needed three Saudi Arabia sh- super show cards just to, to, to know this, but I can just say it with confidence now. The last of any novelty combinations, and I don't think The Rock or Stone Cold is going to be doing any Saudi Arabia shows, but really the last of any novelty legends combination of matches you might think to throw out to sell WrestleMania tickets and, and WrestleMania uh, buzz, it seems WWE is going to drain the last of any novelty combinations with these Saudi Arabia shows because that's just, you know, like um, – they're just going to throw every big, every every big, you know, blast from the past. You know, Randy Orton versus Triple H, Goldberg versus Taker. They don't need any backstory. It doesn't need story. All it is is these two iconic names. They have no reason they're fighting each other. They have no issue they're fighting over. They're just going to go to the ring. It's actually really more about the entrances and just saying that they're going to be there and seeing them in their in their ring gear with their music. Uh, you know, you're not going to get you know real in depth in ring product. Triple H and Randy Orton, you might, but um, it's it's that's what this has come down to. The Saudi Arabia shows are so valuable for that that, that we're going to literally drain the last of these combinations of of novelties at Saudi Arabia. See, Undertaker's in pretty good shape right now. Last time we saw him, he looked really good on Raw, and I know that he's a big MMA guy. Goldberg, he's big into Muay Thai. I wonder if they don't just go out there and like maybe blow our minds by rolling around and do like a kind of a, a, a Tom a Tom Lawler. Uh, versus Matt Riddle type bout, you know, just go out there and MMA it up and just blow all of our minds. Uh, but- I mean, they're both they're both in tremendous shape, and you're right about both of their backgrounds and interests in, interests uh, when it comes to martial, you know, when it comes to martial arts. I, I but I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I just I see it as you know, easy stare downs, you know, you, you know, just all all the signature stuff. I mean, I like again, I think this literally bell to bell could be, you know, okay. less than less than six minutes. Big question here, then, of course, uh, both of these talents uh, uh, reportedly doing the show in the wake of WWE trying to win them over to not go to, you know, elsewhere, AEW. Uh, Goldberg probably more likely in the case of AEW than Undertaker, but he was taking bookings. Um, who, do you, who do you give the win to here to curry favor with and make them feel good? Well, probably, I mean, I don't know if even based on based on that. I mean, I think I kind of, in a way I kind of see Goldberg maybe. I mean, like Goldberg is the guy who, I don't know. I mean, it's you know, hard, Gold, right? you know, how do you well, do? well, I mean, you know, Brock Lesnar beat the Undertaker. It beat the Undertaker streak. Yeah. Um, Goldberg beat Brock Lesnar. I mean, I don't know. I, you know, 
but then again, but but as I say this, and I try to like logic, and I try to justify that logic. If I if you were to ask me who do I think is more likely to have more matches still with WWE, I'd actually say the Undertaker. He, he is in good shape, and the Undertaker, you know, he, they they you know, he, I I could see him having a match at next year's Mania or having a match at some other big domestic show, whether it be a SummerSlam or Survivor Series or a Rumble. Um, so I, you know, I don't think we're going to see much more of Goldberg, uh, except for maybe these Saudi shows for one off. So I kind of would say if, if you need somebody to still look strong, I think the undertaker needs a win to look strong. Uh, I would say taker because it, you know, he could still, you know, I, I still thought they might do something with Elias. I thought, I thought maybe it would be taker versus Elias at the Saudi show. Yeah. But obviously that, obviously that's not a, you know, that's not a real, I guess that's not a big enough draw. Uh, it would seem. It's a tough, that's a conundrum there. Who do you put over here? Undertaker or Goldberg? Good, good case to be made for both. And also as we're talking about this, 20 years ago, can you imagine like 98, 99, the, the prospect of Undertaker versus Goldberg at the height of like uh, the, the Monday Night War? This this would have truly broken the pay-per-view records. This would have been a, a mind blower. Yeah, the only yeah the only bigger match you could have had for Goldberg was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Well, we'll see. How, we'll see how much money Steve Austin would would take for another match. If, if Stone, it. I'm gonna say this. I'm because I mean I've, I, you know, as you probably do. You know, we get to meet a lot of other wrestling fans and and, and listeners and viewers, and I, you know, constantly in, in the bar and in, in the conversations of well, who's your favorite wrestler of all time or who, you know, and I probably say you know Stone Cold is is that. If and I've been wanting and clamoring, and I kind of accepted, you know, probably four or five years ago that we're probably never going to see Stone Cold. You know, he seems kind of content to just stay retired and just do the little appearances every now and again. If they got Stone Cold to do a match, whether it's Goldberg or or whoever John Cena or whoever they could, if they got Stone Cold to come out and actually lace up the boots and do an actual match, I would tempt flying to Saudi Arabia. Steve, Steve Austin, Kevin Owens would be the one I would think they would do if they were going to use younger talent. I mean, uh, Kevin Owens is using the stunner now. Yeah, but again, as, as I just said, they, you know, they, they didn't go the Elias Undertaker route. Saudi Arabia seems to be they need two big, narky novelty names. So, like, if they got Goldberg versus Steve Stone Cold or Stone Cold versus John Cena um, or Stone Cold versus Triple H again, even though that's not the you know, first time ever, if, I, I would tempt, like, all right, how easy is it for – me the american i mean can i can i get to saudi arabia safely can, can i i'd be calling the WWE communications guys i'll pay for my way but can i tag along on your flight in your hotel just so i have security and safety i don't know i'd i would tempt it to see stone cold in the ring one more time uh i don't have that passion for that match wouldn't do it but that's good it is a very it's an exciting prospect it's interesting to see who is coming back for these things i know mick foley the other day went on the record he said he'd come back uh, even for the right price, I think he said he'd do hell in a cell with the Undertaker again. So you know, who and that's knows? these guys. That's guys like Foley saying. That's guys like Foley who 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 are really banged up and everything, and and who have done well financially. Uh, that's that's them realizing that the potential of money payouts is even greater than just a normal, you know. SummerSlam or WrestleMania because of how much money is behind these Saudi shows. That's them going, you know, there actually might just be enough money that could actually make me consider doing it. That, that, that is crazy to think. To go back to the beginning, Jake Roberts is in pretty good shape still, right? He got his life turned around. Why not do Undertaker versus Jake the Snake Roberts? <laughs> oh, my God. All right. right. Anyway, <laughs> this next story here, uh, Wrestling Inc., uh, we got a comment from Lars Sullivan. I believe it uh, dropped this past Friday. Uh, of course, this was in response to uh, the controversial comments that he here himself uh, takes, says that this was him who, who posted those things on those body uh, building forums. He said, there is no excuse for the inappropriate remarks that I made years ago. They do not reflect my personal beliefs, nor who I, who I am today. And I apologize to anyone I offended. 
Uh, Lars is currently working SmackDown Live events on the WWE Tour uh, of Europe. He appeared uh, this past Friday's live event in Dublin, interfered in two matches, uh, one involving uh, WWE champion Kofi Kingston. Uh, there was a fan who reached out to the Mars Candy uh, Corporation um, that is a big sponsor for WWE, asking about the Lars Sullivan comments. Mars responded by saying, Dear loyal customer, thank you for reaching out to Mars with your comments. We learned of Lars Sullivan's comments recently and share in your shock and disgust. Is a value-based company. We find his behavior abhorrent and unacceptable. We have engaged the WWE to discuss this situation and seek to understand what actions they will take to swiftly address this matter. We hope this information is helpful. Your friends at Mars. So, um, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't. It, it much of the chagrin here of Mars. I don't think anything's going to happen here, Justin. I think they're going to try to just take that comment here from Lars is enough and, and push through. Yeah, I mean, look, I, he when he says in a statement, obviously he says the right PR things. You know, they don't reflect my personal views. Well, obviously at one time they did. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I know people can change, people can grow and everything, and maybe he has, and hopefully he has. But at the same time, yeah, I, I don't see WWE doing much. They're trying to just hope this goes away quietly. Um, you know, and, but there's also a fine line of if WWE, you know, let, let's say hypothetically WWE took action, and, and I mean, you know, they released him based upon the discovery and surfacing of these comments. You walk a fine line now. I mean, you know, you know, where it's 2019. You know, a lot of the talents are in their 20s and 30s. So the majority of them have all been on the internet and social media since they were probably, you know, since they were probably teenagers. Uh, so it's like, at what point, you know, do we start digging up and can we find some other talent? What they said, you know, 15 years ago on a MySpace thread. You know, I don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, it, you know, as 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 the years go on. Every WWE talent, every you know, every person is going to be more likely to have been ingrained in the internet because you know, because of their age and the, and the era. So it's like, at what point do we draw a line of, you know, at what point is what somebody said 15 years ago when they were, you know, clearly they're not still still maturing as a person in life? Do we have to hold them accountable for it 15 years later and cost them a job? You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's a, it's a fine line of how deep and do we go and how significant is it, is it really to today and how they behave today? Yeah, this is a this is an interesting one for me because yeah, he said the right thing, and if anything, this was more direct than anything Hulk Hogan ever did in the wake of whatever whatever he said on tape. Right? This is a this is a step further in in the right direction. I do think that especially with guys in this situation in WWE, you have so many great ambassadors, the African American community in WWE, especially guys like Titus O'Neil. I don't want to say there should be some kind of image rehabilitation program in place per se. But I don't think it would be a bad idea to maybe get involved in those areas and make a, a, a an action-oriented effort to to dispel whatever stigma you've attached to yourself. Um, the other side of the coin here for me on, on this one is I did have a conversation over the weekend with somebody who had worked in WWE with Lars while he was down in NXT. And, um, you know, it was brought to my attention that you know, Lars has been in NXT for like five years, like since 2014 or something like that, right? And just really hasn't been used a whole lot up until the past couple of years. And, um, you know, there was a lot made about Lars's uh, mental uh, stability just before he was his debut and then non-debut. Um, you know, I I don't I would be interested in finding out more, I guess, about um, you know what what if what what afflicts Lars uh, affects his decision making that kind of stuff um because there may be in this situation a little bit more to it um than just a couple well, of and, 
know? and you mentioned how he, you know, and then you're, and that that is something a lot, of, a lot of people may not realize. You mentioned he has been down in the in the developmental process for longer than what we realize, longer than what we've seen of him on takeovers and such. And I think I think actually a few of the comments, if you if you look at the dates of of the forum comments, I think some of the comments he made on this on this on this bodybuilding forum, he was actually it was he was making them at, while he was signed to the NXT developmental uh, right. um, system. And one in particular, I think, is when he. I think he calls AJ Styles like old and small. So that's yeah. kind of like, you know, that, that's kind of troublesome is when you think about it is the fact that he was te- technically with the company when he made some of these. Yeah. And so, again, it's like, you know, I'll maybe try to do my best here to, to find a little bit more. But uh, I, I think it is worth maybe contemplating the, what was going on with that guy and, you know, what his capacities were for decision making in some regard. So anyway, that's all I'll say about that. Um Let's move along here. Wrestling Observer uh, reporting that WWE uh, nixed a stardom title match due to AEW, apparently. Tony Storm was going to face B. Presley for the World of Stardom title at Karukakon Hall on May 16th. The WWE did not like the idea of one of their talents possibly losing to an AEW talent, even if it's in another promotion. Uh, so they intervened here. I think we're going to see a lot more of this, Justin. Probably will. And I can't say that I blame WWE. I mean, it, it's kind of, I mean, that's. It's just kind of, it's kind of business common sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Triple H announced uh, some matches here for NXT TakeOver 25 on June 8th from the Webster Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut. You're going to get Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT Championship, and you're going to get Eero Shirai versus Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. Two big matches there. Uh, Gargano and Cole really delivered uh, uh, in, in New Jersey uh, or New York uh, at the, the Barclays for WrestleMania weekend. So excited to see this just... Two two very good matches here. Yeah, two real good matches, and um, you know it's a big, you know, big kind of a you know nice milestone show for, for the takeovers. And it's Bridgeport, Connecticut, so I'd imagine they can uh, they could probably get some of the uh, the Philly, Jersey, New York crowd to ride up the East and and, and get in there, especially if, you know especially for you know Gargano Cole uh, attraction. Um, Squared Circle Sirens uh, on the note of NXT reporting that uh, NXT commentator Percy Watson uh, Percy Watson recently quit. To pursue an acting career, Beth Phoenix has taken his place on commentary. Uh, Percy had been with WWE from 2010 to 2013 as a wrestler, as part of the original. He was he was like one of the original NXT class, wasn't he? Right, he was back when yeah when NXT was just like a show. Yeah, so uh, NXT original Percy Watson. Um, he came back in 2016 to work as a commentator. Honestly, like never moved the needle for me one way or another as far as NXT goes, but uh, you know, best of luck to him in, in acting, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think he probably realized he kind of maybe it kind of hit his peak. He, he, he you know, he, I mean, he was, you know, he was doing what he was doing, and I think you know, kind of probably got his got his kicks out of that, and you know, um, uh, care. I mean, for everything I've ever called, and I think I've been around him a time or two. He's, he's got he's got a lot of personality and character, so yeah, I mean, maybe uh. Maybe there's uh, still some. Maybe that maybe there's a different calling to be had uh, in Hollywood. Hey, and anybody with anybody with anybody with any bit of clout right now seems to be able to land somewhere on their feet. So I'm sure he'll be just fine. Um, the Holy Grail, the search for WWE's most infamous last match, aired last night following Raw. It took a look at the match between Tom McGee and Bret Hart from uh, 1987, I believe, was the year uh, of the match. A dark match to, you know, this, the whole infamous backstory. This was the match to get Tom McGee signed by WWE. Ultimately, it didn't work out in the end. Um, there are comments from McGee, Bret Hart, Sean Waltman, Harry Smith, Cassius Ono, Tyson Kidd, and others. Uh, did you get a chance to watch this after Raw, Justin? 
Uh, I didn't watch it after all, but actually I watched it this morning. Uh, yeah, October of '86 is when the match was, okay. and I thought it was this was well done. I, I thought it was kind of nice how they t- how they gave the backstory to you know of like tape trading and who's this Tom McGee guy mm-hmm. and why the match is kind of you know looked at as be as something you got to see and how Brett's you know I, it's funny they never they never directly say oh we think the match probably disappeared because you know it's kind of Vince you know touting and Brett even says that Vince had said, you know, as he's watching the match, this is my next champion. And obviously, you know, what a huge bust Tom McGee ultimately ended up being. Um, I thought it was well done. My own, my, my biggest critique is, and I don't know if they did it for time, you know, cause obviously this, this whole program came out to be about a half hour. I don't, I don't know if they did it because of time, but they have all these guys, you know, they have all these, you know, Ono and they've all, and, and X-Pac are all talking about you know, with enthusiasm, this, 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 this being the Holy grail of, of, of law of tapes. I wish that we could have got their reactions and then mm-hmm. like even, and I wish we could have got Tom McGee's reaction or they found Tom McGee. That's great. And then they, and they say, do you want to see it? And that's the segue into showing the match. I wish then after the match, we could have this, even if it was just a quick cut montage of everybody's thoughts, I, that would have been, you know, but maybe, I don't know, maybe, like, maybe that's, maybe that's like part two of a series I do later on. I don't know. Well, if you want to get Tom McGee and Bret Hart's thoughts on that match, you can go to Starcast two or watch it live on fight as they will be on stage talking about the bout. And I, and I do, and I, you know, I don't know what the politics are. I, I got a I got an email here while we're doing the show. Conrad's doing a, a presser uh, on Thursday, and I guess he can address questions about this. But this felt a little bit like a tee up for what Conrad was doing at Starcast. I mean, you had Sean Waltman talking about how good uh, a Tom McGee meet and greet would be. You're right. The the part everybody wanted, they didn't get. Where are they going to find it at Starcast? So I'd be interested to see what the negotiations uh, possibly looked like between Starcast. In WWE for for this particular documentary, you know, are you? I'm just going to ask: Are you implying that potentially, since obviously Taker and Angle got pulled, that maybe this is WWE throwing a bone to help drum up some buzz and interest for an attraction that they don't mind this happening at Starcast? Yes, I am. In, I am insinuating that because, yeah, I mean, of course, everybody saw the match, but the part they didn't get was the conversation, right? So this, in, in some ways. I think was, uh, you know, I don't know that people, I don't know what, I don't know if people will connect the dots, but this to me was a little bit of an infomercial for what they're doing at StarCast where you're going to get the payoff that you're talking about, you know. Which is interesting because, and that's, that's, that's now what you're, what you and probably others are feeling after having seen this Holy Grail uh, episode. When WWE announced last week that they were going to, when they started promoting this Holy Grail episode. um, show that was going to premiere after Raw. I think I think the the general consensus was this is to hurt Starcast. It was to kind of like beat them to the punch, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I wonder if there. Was, that's why I say like if Conrad said, you know, your guys make good to me was supposed to let me do this thing. If you have Tom and Brett on camera talking about the match, that's not a make good for me. So I wonder if they're potentially, uh, you know, tinfoil hat on, which I haven't done in a long time. But, you know, maybe they took out the end. You know what I mean? Maybe they had those comments. They said, Conrad makes a point here. We're just going to give them up to the, the point the match is over. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're, yeah, ask him. Ask Conrad. I will. I'll ask him on Thursday. Uh, Sasha Banks, uh, a little couple updates here for her. She went to social media over the past five days. She posted a photo with her cousin Snoop Dogg, and she also posted a photo of her with her friend in uh, one of those new wave rage rooms where you can just get angry and destroy stuff. So certainly stirring the pot there is Sasha Banks at the moment. Yeah. Have you done a rage room? I, I don't have it in me. I'm not that angry. Well, that's good. <laughs> it's like I see that and I'd get in there and I'd probably like break a TV and be like, I don't know, I just want to go drink a beer. 
I'm on a, like, I'm a, I'm a beer and hammock guy now. If I get upset about something, I go and I pensively walk down to the lake and I watch the ducks. I think about it and then I move on with my life. You know. Well, you're very mature. Thank you. I love the ducks and the turtles. Um, MLW has announced that Austin Aries has joined their promotion. This was a uh, uh, this was a big get. I mean, Austin Aries is a name that gets a lot of attention. Very popular with the hardcore internet fans. He's he's not at Impact right now. He's not with WWE. Uh, obviously, I guess not in the AEW mix. I, I, hopefully, these two sides can make this work because I think Austin Aries could do a lot for MLW and vice versa. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of, you know, WB didn't work out. It seems like Impact, there were some issues there. And then, yeah, I guess if he's not in the AEW talks, I guess, you know, it's kind of like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say no, we're all left to go. But I mean, I mean, yeah, give it a shot there and see if uh, both can help. Yeah, I mean, Austin Aries, Teddy Hart, you know, or, D- or Harry Smith, or even Brian Pillman Jr. You know, there's a bunch of uh, great, uh, Lucha Roosh was there. I don't think he's there anymore now. He's with, with ROH. But, you know, MLW has a lot of great, Filthy Tom Lawler's over there. Him and Aries, I'm sure, would be great together. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the Von Eric brothers. Von Eric, great. That was another big get for MLW in the past week. I thought that was an amazing pick up there on the on the heels of that dark side documentary that they were aired in austin aries low-key you know they're under the same umbrella now so i i think this could be good i hope they can make it work um pwinsider.com reporting killer cross has requested his impact release he had apparently signed a multi-year deal with the promotion on a per appearance basis he tried to negotiate a six-figure guaranteed deal to no to no luck justin uh he also had issues with creative but it was not the main factor in his leaving uh apparently impact thought to themselves, well, we signed you when you were not that known. You became a star on our platform. So when your actual contract is up, we prefer to renegotiate. Uh, but that's not the case here. So it looks like these these two will part amicably. There's still a professional tone here. Um, what do you make of a story like this, Justin? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a difference between you know knowing your value and 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 standing your your business principles and and, and knowing your value. And there's also a difference between that and then like you know being unrealistic and um you know so i kind of you know i kind of would side with impact here like you know again yeah we kind of you know you 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 know we we kind of took a chance on you at the price that we agreed upon initially you honor that contract and price and then we'll we'll reassess what your value is and if, if it's what you think it is you know yeah i i agree and you know again i'd love to get killer cross on here maybe i will i'll reach out to killer cross see if we can get a couple comments on this um but you know if the, if if it is true i mean if you're more of your other companies that are trying to negotiate with this guy, it does kind of give you a little bit of a knee jerk reaction. I would think that is this guy going to honor the contract that we, if we haven't inked the deal. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, let's talk about some paperwork here. Ryback released a 2016 document from WWE proving that they uh, want to take ownership of their talent, social media information uh, in the document. The WWE demanded for all social media. Oh, this is what he says. In said document, WWE demanded for all social media to be handed over. No mention of just switching the handle names. They wanted possession, so I would lose all power and expose them on multiple issues in time. Just to make this clear, this isn't now. This is from 2016. You have to understand how they act towards talent. I own everything, and it's over. You guys need to see that talent have no control in the environment they create with fear. Some people are missing the entire point of this. Ryback, not holding back here. Going back, going at WWE, uh, not uh, not a great, <laughs> not a great line to, to for WWE that they create an environment of fear. I'm, I'm sure they would appreciate that not being out there. Yeah, I don't think we're going to be seeing Goldberg versus Ryback in Saudi Arabia anytime soon. <laughs> I don't think so either. <laughs> oh yeah, 
finally here, Wrestling Observer. We're gonna end it. We're gonna end it on this again. Justin is reporting that Dean Ambrose, aka John Moxley, is expected to start working for wrestling promotions after he finishes production of his current movie, Cage Fighter. I will go on record again here and say I don't think that is true. <laughs> I don't. Not, now I'm a little bit off the ledge here. If he's going back to WWE, I'm not saying that. I don't know that he wouldn't pop up in an AEW or something like that, but um, uh, I, I, I don't think that after this movie we could anticipate a, like a list of, of promotions that, that Moxley's going to. No, I don't think it's gonna be a list. I think it's gonna be one. He'll go to AEW. Yeah, I, you know, part of me thinks that too. Like that, it would just because I don't know. He's gonna go big or go home. I think, in my opinion, and uh, if it's gonna be anything, it'll be AEW. A hundred percent. I think you're right. And if it's not AEW. Then I don't know where we see him. I don't know when we we hear from him again. You know, yeah, I I, I kind of look at him as like a more, you know, realistic CM Punk. It's gonna, but they're probably both in the same situation. Both have made their money. Uh, both are are are, are huge draws, uh, especially to a certain audience, and they know it. Uh, but neither of them need to wrestle or necessarily, and 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 they also want to take care of their bodies and, and make sure that if they're gonna go out there and bump, that it's worthwhile. So I feel like you know it'll be the only other suitor that you know they both are kind of done with WWE uh, the only other suitor that could probably give them the creative and financial uh, incentive that they would feel worth it uh, would be AEW my guest at this time can be seen every Friday night on Pursuit and Twitch as part of Impact Wrestling he is the leader of OVE the draw Sammy Callahan Sammy thank you so much for taking the time to chat today you know what? That was a great introduction. I'm not even mad at that. That Th- checks out. Thank that you. That checks out for uh, everything I wanted to interview. Th- good call, Nick Halsman. Wonderful. And we're done here. This was a very good interview. It's gone perfectly. No, we're, I, we're, we're got- done. That was, that was a great interview. Well, we can wrap it up with that. We got a lot to talk to here, Sammy. Uh, you uh, you were just uh, on Rebellion, of course. You guys just had the tapings at the 2300 Arena. But we'll start here with Rebellion. Of course, you came up a little bit short uh, with Rich Swan here. Um what do you think went wrong here with your bout against Swan, uh, leading to him picking up the win? Uh, probably the impact management screwed me and don't want me to be the face of their company. Yeah. That's uh, what it boils down to each and every time I get in these big matches. And impact management always throws a monkey wrench at plans and always ends up screwing me because they're afraid that Sammy Callahan and OVE is going to be the face of their co- the company because they don't want people like us to be the face. Why do you think that, why do you think that, that would be the case? Because we don't believe in the status quo, and they know as soon as we get one of the big belts, they're going to have to let us talk that much more, and people are going to listen. Okay. Now, you you got pretty heated here with Rich Swan going into this bout. Obviously, you guys have a lot of history together, um, but it's really something to bring up another man's father's murder. Um, why, why did you feel you needed to take it to that level and bring something up like that? Because in professional wrestling, I don't think anything's off limits. If I want to talk about something, I'm going to talk about it. And uh, look at the eyes that it got on the product because we are real. We poured our heart and our emotion into that view. We left everything on the line. There was, there's no other option for us. It was going to get personal, and that's exactly what it did. Yeah. And, and how, did, how did Rich handle you going to that, that area there in, 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 the, you know, in the promo capacity? Oh, no. He said some pretty hurtful stuff, too. Like, people don't want to ever be like, oh, well, Rich Swan said this or that. They always want to say, oh, well, Sammy Callahan said this. But he said some equally hurtful things. Yeah, well, fair. Uh, um, now, you guys really went all out at Rebellion. I mean, I thought you and Rich, again, it was a very heated uh, bout that you guys had. That Full Metal Mayhem main event was great. 
I mean, what what was your take on that pay-per-view, and what kind of a statement do you think it sends to the pro wrestling world when you guys put on shows like that? It's a huge statement. Every Impact Wrestling pay-per-view is one of the best wrestling pay-per-views for your money's worth each and every time they put on one. And uh, that's not just the kissing ass to the, the higher-ups or kissing ass to the office. It's true. Every pay-per-view Impact did last year was critically acclaimed it was going to be the same this year. Yeah, and talk to me a little bit about how that affects the locker room. Like, what is morale like right now backstage at Impact Wrestling? Morale is great because everyone actually gets a chance to go out there without handcuffs to do what they want to do in professional wrestling and put on their art form and see exactly what they want to see through. They're not just told, paint by numbers, do this, this, this. There might be some guidelines, but at the same time, they're pretty open for you to go out there and experiment and make people want to watch our product. Yeah, and now now that you have now that Rich has beaten you uh, in, in this match here, this OVE rules match, I mean, do you think that we're going to see more from you two going ha- at each other? Or are you going to give him some space here for a little bit? I don't know, man. But the thing with me and Rich is uh, there is that bond. I've known him since he was 16 years old. He's lived in my house off and on, and uh, that that'll probably never be finished. There'll always be something there. But uh, I know going forward, my eyes are on the big belt at Impact Wrestling, unless the World Heavyweight Champion. Now, what do you now on that note? The Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship picture has gotten a little bit more cluttered recently. What do you think of the addition uh, of Michael Elgin and how he inserted himself after the main event at Rebellion? They won't talk all the crap they want on Michael Elgin, but he has the best matches on almost any show he's on. Like you can't, you you, you can't not say the dude doesn't pour his heart into professional wrestling because there's no off night for Mike Logan. And that could be in front of two people or that can be in front of 100,000 people. He's going to go out there and wrestle up to the same standards that he believes he needs to wrestle at. Yeah, and you know, you say that, you know, you brought up, you say, you know, there are people out there that really don't like Michael Elgin, you know, there's, you know, different stories and stuff from outside the ring that have, you know, gotten him heat with different groups of fans. I mean, what would you say to those fans that, you know, are carrying like a certain kind of animus towards Elgin for non-in-ring reasons? That's their prerogative. That's the great thing about professional wrestling is all the wrestlers that work inside the business and all the fans can have their own opinions. And at the end of the day, that's what's great. People will voice those opinions. It makes for great television. It makes for just people getting under other people's skins. Yeah. Now, uh, you have uh, introduced a new member to OVE and Impact Wrestling and Madman. I'm a big man. Yeah, Madman Fulton. Now, this guy looks terrifying uh can you tell me he's a hell of a cuddler though he's a great cuddler he cuddles sammy are you there you there yeah i'm there oh sorry sorry you you told me how good he is at cuddling and i lost you there so i don't know what's up with that no man he's a guy that i handpicked and uh wanted to help out i knew him from our days down uh south and uh, as soon as he got kind of screwed over there and didn't get a real opportunity, I told him to move up to Ohio, where he's originally from. Like, that's the thing with OBE. We don't let people in that aren't actually from Ohio. And uh, it was off to the races. Like, we call ourselves the doctor and a monster because I, I truly, like, built him like a monster from the ground up and built him back up and given him the confidence to be what he is today. And he's only going to blow up more and more and more as time goes on. So what you say that it didn't work out for him down south. I mean, uh, do you mind telling me exactly what was it? Was it just he wasn't working, or what? What? Why didn't it work out for him down there? It's just confidence beaten down. That's what that place does to you. He he got injured at the last minute when he was finally debuted like on television. Get that break, and then never got another chance once he got injured. And 
he's too young of a guy, too good of a guy, and too much of a monster to not been able to find something for him, truly be able to hold him to what he's become now. Because people wanted to rag on him, tell him he wasn't good down there, but now look what he's doing under the tutelage and guidance of OP. You know, uh, Impact Wrestling, yeah, just a couple months ago, you guys lost uh, a big man in Abyss. I mean, could you see Madman Fulton possibly moving into a role similar to that? No, no one will ever replace Abyss, but that's the good thing about Fulton to the fact that he's going to be a hybrid Abyss, a hybrid uh, Bruiser Brody, a hybrid of all these amazing big guys wrapped in the world. He's athletic, and he can go smash mouth with any one of them in the world. Yeah, well, definitely very imposing, very very, uh, very interesting addition there to Impact. And, you know, you brought up earlier how all the members of OVE, you guys got to be Ohio natives. Now, there does seem to be a big Ohio native back on the scene right now, made a lot of noise with the viral video, and that's John Moxley. Uh, you know, what, what do you think is going on right now with Moxley? Do you think we could anticipate a return to, to pro wrestling? Uh, that's the thing with Moxley. You don't know what the hell he's going to do. He is the weirdest human my life i wouldn't put it back and go fight for the ufc at this point no one really knows what john moxley is going to do but i know if he wants to throw hands or if he wants to jump into ob doors always open for him okay so yeah i mean that's what i was going to get to here so you could see moxley in the mix with ove do you think he'd be a good fit there in impact wrestling in general if, if that was what he chose to do 100 percent, it'd be a huge gift for impact wrestling and i don't even know if i'd want him in ove because i think i'd rather go toe-to-toe with him because there's a lot of unfinished business between me and him and i want to shut his damn mouth well and you know talk to me a little bit about that now i know you guys have a been uh, you guys have had a relationship over the years for sure what what is your relationship like with moxley it's a weird relationship of little brother and big brother and it's always the two of us striving to see who's better we're both weird human beings. We're both messed up individuals. And one day we're going to get back in the ring together. Now as grown-ass adults, we're going to see who's better. Uh, now, you have a, like a real murderer's row here right now in OVE as it is with the Chris and now Madman Fulton. Uh, I know you're always, you know, you're trying to bring Rich Swan into the mix. Uh, would you consider adding uh, a female to OVE? Do you think you guys would, should have a female in OVE? That's something that time will tell. Like That's the thing with OVE. We're so spontaneous, you don't really know what we're going to do at any point. We could add a female. We could add a dog, for all I know. I, I, I really don't care at this point because OVE strives on being the most spontaneous and dangerous group in all professional wrestling. Yeah. Now, and, you know, in, in general, though, you know, I think it's been interesting, especially with Impact, how the women have just stepped up their game and are, and are putting on such great matches right now. How does the women stepping up to the game to the level they have, how has that affected the men's side of the roster? It just makes everyone work harder. It's uh, That's the one really great thing about Impact Wrestling right now is everyone actually watches each other's matches. And it's not like, oh, this person had a good match, or oh, let's hold them down for having a good match. It's everyone going out there and trying to have the best match and be the marquee matchup on Impact Wrestling. That's yeah, and, and speaking of marquee matchups here, you guys did bring into the fold a big name recently in RVD. Um, what's it like for you to to now get to share a locker room and have a guy like RVE, RVD in the mix? He's a legend, but at the same point, I'll look at this, and uh, I think it's about time that all these ECW legends just quit and just let all the younger guys step up and run this business. I'm sick of the Tommy Dreamers. I'm sick of the Sabus. I'm sick of the Sandmans. I'm sick of the RVDs. It's our time to shine in professional wrestling. It's not theirs anymore because we're changing the rest of the business. You know, it was a real, it's got, I mean, but tell me though, what did it feel like to be in a ring with Tommy Dreamer, the 2300 arena this past weekend, Code Red? I mean, how, how was that experience for you as like, again, a lifelong wrestling fan 
and especially a hardcore aficionado. I've done battle with Tommy Dreamer all over the world. He's a guy that's kind of like my dad in professional wrestling. I'm not going to lie. I love beating his ass. <laughs> all right. Well, it's a very inter- interesting relationship with your father there. Um, yeah. Now, you, yeah, are, it is. You, uh, you, much like Tommy, are a, a pro wrestling promoter as well when you are not wrestling in the ring. You run Pro Wrestling Revolver. Is that correct? 100%. We have our highest pre-sale of Dayton, Iowa at our show tomorrow. We're going to kick some ass. Like, we started this three years ago, and we've gotten to the point that uh, we're making waves. Like, people are watching our show. We're one of the most watched shows in the High Spot Wrestling Network now. And uh, we just did our show WrestleMania weekend. I drew 1,500 people in New York City. But the mecca of pro wrestling is always going to get bigger and better from here. Now, for you as a promoter, though, like, how is that? What are the benefits of you working directly with Impact? I mean, do you see your promotion now is a bit of a feeder or developmental territory for, for new Impact talent? Possibly. I know Impact watches my shows. I know a lot of other people watch my shows. But I like to think of our shows as the melting pot of all the different companies. It's the only place you're going to see top indie guys versus Impact guys versus guys from other companies when we can make it, make it happen. Uh, I'm one of the only people to be able to bring a New Japan talent to the United States when I brought Naito to America last year. I brought him to Dayton, Ohio. Did anyone ever think they'd see Naito wrestling in Dayton, Ohio? Never. And that's the kind of things that you can expect from the Wrestling Revolver because it's such a spontaneous company. And it's me and my guys' vision of professional wrestling uh, for a generation, by our generation, and we're that buffet of professional wrestling where it's not just one style. We'll have technical, we'll have hardcore, we'll have comedy, we'll have badass of women's wrestling will have the, the most indie-rific matches you'll ever expect for an open invite scramble championship match. And it, it's, like I said, it's only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and better. Like, look what we've done in our, our short time as a company. Now, uh, a question I wanted to ask you here, just to kind of wrap up, you know, again, kind of from the promoter perspective, like, what are some of your personal, like, pet peeves about other promoters? Other promoters shitting on other promoters. Like, if you're not WWE, we should all be working together. I hate this us versus them mentality where all these other companies want to bitch and complain about each other instead of just working together and trying to have the better shows. Like, oh, well, my show's better. Oh, this is better. Like, I, I hate this dick measuring contest for a better lack of better terms. Like, we can all have our own brands and our vision of professional wrestling give every single different fan a alternative to watch other than WWE. Well, I will just mention here, because, like, I guess I'll, I'll take it home here, because I'm in Chicago. You know, there was, like, a bit of noise made recently with AAW where Danny Daniels, like, put out a tweet, who's the promoter for AAW, and basically said, I don't want to book talent for my shows that work other shows in the area. And some people have pulled out of other shows to go work for AAW. Would you say that that's uh, – I mean, that doesn't sound in line with the way you're thinking. Do you think that's a bit of a misstep on AAW's part? Well, that's his prerogative as a promoter. I also understand that there's – five different companies running in Chicago and some of them running the same building. So it's a whole different animal. And it's not like he's saying, Oh, if you, if you don't work my show, I'm going to blackball it. That's why uh, I'm kind of upset at some of the wrestlers and how they dealt with it because it's their choice. They pick where they work. Like AAW gave them like the option and they either pick to work there or they don't. It's their option. We are independent contractors. We pick to do whatever we want. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I haven't asked anybody about that. I thought I'd ask you because, again, you walk the line, Sammy Callahan. You do it all. You wrestle, you bleed, you promote, you put green in people's pockets. I mean, it's it's a great time right now, and, Sammy, you feel like a very central part of what's going on in, in pro wrestling. Is there anything— Yeah, people only—if if the wrestling fans only knew what I actually did behind the scenes. Like, I feel like they're— uh... 
their their idea of what Sammy Callahan is, their mind will be blown. Yeah. Well, maybe someday we'll get that, you know, we'll get that documentary. You know, what is what is the real who is the real Sammy Callahan? Now I'm kind of scared, especially what you said about you. He's and a great cuddler. He's a great cuddler. My girlfriend's going to love this interview, by the way. She talks a lot about wanting to cuddle the bigger wrestlers. Um, anyway, Sammy, this has been great. What do you want to plug, promote, put over here to uh, wrap up the show today? Pro Wrestling Revolver. Check us out all social media platforms at PW Revolver or on our website, ProWrestlingRevolver.com. Check me out at the Sammy Callahan on Twitter, verified, as well as on Instagram at Official Callahan, also there. So take me back to uh, how did you get this opportunity to for a TED Talk? <clears throat> um, I was contacted by Dr. Adam Key, who's a professor at uh, University of Arkansas, Monticello. Prior to that, his position there, he was teaching at Lee College inside of Huntsville Prison. And he was a wrestling fan and reached out to find out if I would be able to come to Huntsville Prison to be a guest judge for the debate where it was the inmates against the debate team from, uh, I think it was Texas A&M. So that's how we met. And then I actually had me back a couple more times. And uh, they reached out and asked me if uh, if I'd be available for the uh, TEDx talk that they were putting on there at uh, University of Arkansas, Monticello. Okay. So, I mean, your story, uh, you've told your story many times before, but never kind of in this kind of platform. Um, how do you think it differed? And just talk about preparing for that, on that to be on that stage. Well, this particular time, I wasn't telling my story to wrestling fans as much as I was using my story to make a point you know, social commentary. <clears throat> and, you know, ultimately, in spite of the fact that I was able to achieve success in my professional wrestling career and notoriety, um, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still a convicted felon. I still don't have my right to vote. And there are still certain things that aren't afforded to me because of a bad decision I made nearly 30 years ago. Yeah, one of the things that really struck me through your know, talking about your experience was the fact that you know you're you've done your time, you've you've given back to the community. You're a big, you've seen before millions of people. You're you know a celebrity in many ways, but you were trying to rent a place and they wouldn't even they wouldn't approve you. It's just amazing to me that you know this kind of I think that's a very eye-opening moment um, when they see someone of your stature. And if you can't get it, just imagine others out there who are going through the same experiences who, you know, are going through the same thing probably can kind of relate to what you're going through. And that's my point, you know, with the, well, you know, we have a, a huge problem in the United States with recidivism. And there's talk about, you know, how do we reduce the recidivism rates? Well, I think part of that has a lot to do with how society views people who have done time. There's, you know, the proverbial scarlet letter that comes with being a quote-unquote ex-convict. So until we can start changing and having a conversation in society to change minds about how we treat people that have made mistakes or bad decisions, then we're going to be stuck in this, this 
unfortunate set of circumstances. Yeah, and, and to your point, yeah, I'm MVP. And you can Google me, <laughs> you can look me up, and I've got thousands of character references, but I couldn't rent an apartment or, or a house. So what does that say for, you know, John Doe or Jane Doe who's just being released from prison and trying to get their life back on track? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, you, you go out to, to prisons and, and things like that, and you speak to those uh, inmates. Um, just talk about what that experience has been like over the years and what kind of what you've gotten out of it as well. Um, well, I've had the fortune of going to a few prisons, and in the past I've been to juvenile detention centers. And what I get out of it, uh, I, I guess just giving back, uh, I don't know, maybe there's some catharsis there, <laughs> something that's therapeutic to me in, in many ways. But I remember being in a juvenile detention center, locked up, not knowing when I was going to get out. I remember being in prison, you know, having all kinds of doubts about what my future held. And there were, there were people that would come in who had done time and who got out and became successful. And, you know, they tried to present themselves as beacons of hope. And I remember the the boost that I got feeling like, okay, it's not hopeless. It's not over. Like this guy was in prison. He was able to, to get, get out and make a life for himself. So I guess being that, you know, especially young men from disadvantaged classes, economic, uh, poor economic backgrounds, and then uh, the urban dwellers who, who grew up and in really bad social circumstances can look at me knowing that I came from the same uh, same general background and was able to make a way. Now, everybody can't become a professional wrestler. You know, everybody can't sing, dance, you know, entertain, or what have you. But I try to carry the message that if you find out what you want to do, figure out what you want to do and just work your ass off. Don't take any shortcuts. And you can find success. There is life after prison. It's not going to be easy. And, you know, you're going to need some help along the way, but you got to do the work. And um, what's been the response uh, you've gotten? You know, this has been out now on YouTube. Uh, everyone can check it out right now. Um, what has been the response that you've gotten from those that have attended, maybe someone that's followed up with you after they saw your TED Talk, uh, and then those who have kind of seen it and watched it, maybe someone from your peers or even outside of the wrestling industry? Uh, well, it was cool. I was on the, uh, the Michael Smirconish program on Sirius XM POTUS channel, and uh actually was invited to go on his CNN program, but uh, scheduling conflicts prevented that. <clears throat> but it's it's created a dialogue, and I've heard a number of people say, wow, um, you know, I brought up points that I never considered. Uh, this is a conversation that, you know, we need to have, but, you know, how come people aren't talking about this? You know, I've had a lot of peers come up and say it was very powerful and poignant, and you know, ultimately, the overwhelming feedback has been when someone does their time, why are we still punishing them? And, you know, of course, you've always got people who take a different position and, oh, well, once you're a criminal, that's part of being a criminal. You know, you get marked or, you know, that you don't deserve a second chance or, you know, you get those those people. But for the most part, the response has been overwhelmingly positive. And 
you know, a lot of people are saying exactly what I was hoping they would say, like, hey, let's talk about this and, and let's figure out why we're doing this. And I think if society as a whole could have this conversation, then we can start improving the lives of, of people, reducing recidivism rates, and overall improving society for everyone, not just convicted felons. Mm-hmm. And, and with you being a parent, um, you know, as your kids get older, um, and they get to develop more of an understanding of what you've been through, um, what's that kind of experience been like in seeing the work that you've been doing? Uh, well, my son's only four. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's just now understanding pro wrestling. You know, he calls it daddy fight. Oh, daddy fight. This is daddy fight, which is, is adorable. But one of the things that I've thought about with all that I've been through and, and the life experiences that I've had, uh, I'm pretty confident that my son will be okay. And that's because with me and his life, he won't have the opportunities to, to hang out and on the corner and, and <laughs> get in trouble because I'll, I'll, he'll be so involved with sports and activities and, and other things. And this is a major issue for our youth who find their way into trouble is, is a lack of activity. If, you know, instead of getting into gangs and fighting or you know, getting into trouble doing things they shouldn't be doing, if a lot of teenagers just had people in their lives to, to hold them accountable for their actions and their whereabouts, there wouldn't be time to do these things. You know, if there were these positive influences saying, hey, you know, don't, and it sounds so cliche, but hey, don't do drugs and hang out on the corner after 11 o'clock. You know, instead, you should be in bed because you got to get up in the morning for, for football practice or to take that test or, you know, and instead of idolizing the neighborhood stars, you know, let's, let's, try to uh, imbue them with a sense of, of idolizing something bigger, you know. And, and it, it sometimes it sounds so hopeless, really, to tell a kid who might not eat dinner, who lives in the projects, hey, man, you can be a doctor. That's almost not realistic when the success that they see around them is the drug dealer or the, or the hustler or the pimps or what have you. And... When I can come along and say, hey, look, I come from where you come from, and I was able to get past all that, um, it, it it can help. And I think that this is something that, again, just socially, we need to try to create more opportunities for inner-city kids and at-risk kids to be able to do positive things with their time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's what's great with you, what you're doing, what even Titus O'Neill, what he's doing and using his story. I know he has a book coming out in the next couple of months. I know we've talked about it before about your book and, you know, just your life story. Um, what can you tell us kind of an update on what that, where's that at, what's your mindset when it comes to that kind of project? I, you know what? I, I'm just, <laughs> I'm lazy. I've, I've, I've made some notes. I've scribbled some notes, but I've never, I haven't actually started writing my book yet. And uh, it's something that I've been saying I'm going to do for years, and I just keep putting it on the, on the back burner. But uh, I, I do need to do it eventually. And I, I think that potentially a lot of people could be inspired by my book and, and, and help. And I guess, you know, you asked me before why I do it. And I think part of it is, you know, the whole pay it forward concept. There were people that that spoke to me and took time, their precious time to, to share with me. 
um, with without getting anything returned. You know, my my whole foray into pro wrestling came because somebody opened that door for me without getting anything returned. They didn't, you know, I didn't pay them. They didn't. <laughs> it was just someone doing something nice for me from the kindness of their heart. And I've fortunately been been beneficiary of that a number of times. So I feel that it's uh, incumbent upon me to do that for others. And uh, but where's your mindset right now when it comes to pro wrestling? The landscape is definitely changing the last next year with AEW and a lot of the platforms now. When you started out with the independent scene, you know, technology wasn't where it is today with everyone being able to stream and, and watch and people and then companies being able to profit so they're able to provide more quality product, more quality talent. Um, do you kind of feel motivated to kind of return to become more active within the wrestling industry? Or do you feel like this is more, uh, you know, something that you want to do and, and control your own schedule? Like, do you, do you, I know there was talk about, not that long ago, um, about you going back to WWE at one point, but is there, is that kind of in the, in the rear view mirror or do you want to work for another company full time? Uh, yeah, I, I'm a businessman, so I'm always open to talk business, but the circumstances have to be right for all parties involved. And I'm 45 now. And, you know, I don't want to be one of these guys that, you know, stays way past the expiration date. Um, but I could still go. And, you know, I'm at 45, I still wrestle virtually every weekend on the independent circuit. And I'm not too keen on signing a contract that's going to have me on the road 200 plus days out of the year. Uh, that was great when I was in my, my, my 20s and 30s. Now in my 40s, I'm just not quite so motivated to, to do that. And, there are other things that I want to do. I want to start transitioning out of the wrestling business. I want to start doing more speaking engagements, and uh, I do want to get started on my book. And um, I, you know, I like being able to be home to spend time with my son. And that's that's at this point of my life, that's probably one of the most important things to me. Um, and you're right, the wrestling landscape is changing a lot. And you know now. I can clearly remember being the young stud in the corner of the locker room, and you know now I'm the OG in the corner of the locker room. Lots of times, see, I'm on the show, and I'm the oldest guy on the card. It's like, wow, just yesterday I was the young guy. And uh, you know, like you said, the technology uh, of, of you know how wrestling is, is being consumed by audiences now has just changed the game completely, and I think it's great that. You know, for the first time in a very long time, you know, since the ter- territory days, you can be a professional wrestler. You can make a living as a professional wrestler without having to work for Vince. And it's been a long time since that's been the case. Um, you know, except for that, you know, small group that could, you know, go to Japan or Mexico. But generally speaking, now you have the Young Bucks, who are two of the biggest stars in the industry who have never been on Vince's TV not one single day. And uh, I think that's really cool that they found their lane. You know, some of the evolution of what pro wrestling is becoming, you know, I, I guess in my old school foundation, I'm not particularly fond of, but you know, I always argue with some of these old timers who say, oh, you're doing it wrong. Are these kids are giving away the business or whatever? No, well, then I, how can you say they're doing it wrong if people are buying tickets? They're buying tickets to see it. They're not doing it wrong. Yep, no doubt. Last question, I'll let you go. Um, it's You know, you see Kofi Kingston winning the uh, the WWE Championship and just a milestone moment that was for him, knowing 
all that you know a lot of superstars go through um, when they work in the industry. Um, just is there, do you feel like a change, a shifting, a shift uh, that's been gone when it comes to minorities and and those with ethnicity uh, within the business, and especially in WWE? Um, just how do you think the it's over evolved over the years with WWE and just the way their perception of a WWE champion is. Uh, well, I think that you can say prior to Kofi Kingston, no one that looks like Kofi Kingston has ever held the WWE championship. Um, there's definitely something to be said for that. But I think WWE as a whole, and there's been a philosophy change. Uh, you just look at the, how the business has changed, and they've been forced to change along with it. Um, you know, everything everything constantly evolves, and either you evolve or like the dinosaurs, <laughs> you should get wiped out. Um, you know, you just look at, you know, the NXT and that business model. You look at uh, Kevin Owens. When I worked at WWE, you know, a, a fat guy in a T-shirt, Vince wasn't happening. Kevin Owens comes along, dazzles everybody with his talent, his ability, and he beats John Cena. That was unheard of, you know. But now he's a viable talent who's holding it down. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so. There's definitely change, philosophical change in WWE. And as far as uh, overall race, um, well, you know, again, specifically for WWE, I think you know, Kofi was a huge statement. But I think now one of the things with the current uh, wave of, of, of talent is the inclusiveness. When I came up, wrestling was very exclusive. Um, they didn't, you know, they were gatekeepers. You know, you were run away if you came and you weren't tough enough, guys. Hey, he's doing beat you up, and only a certain kind of person could get in the business. Now, anybody can, and you know, this is kind of like the mantra that these younger kids are talking about. You know, wrestling's for everybody. If you're gay, if you're trans, if you're black, if you're white, you know, these these intergender matches. You know, equality, men and women, you know, so all of these things are going on. Uh, so I think this, this newer generation doesn't place the same emphasis on race or any of those other factors. So it's it's almost uh, like a revolutionary time in the professional wrestling business, you know, now because of the technology primarily. Uh, you're seeing all types of stars emerging from places that you've never seen before. People who look, you know, you know, you don't. Everybody doesn't have to be six four with abs anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's pretty cool. Um, I, I like what I'm seeing, and as I'm making my exit from the business, it's pretty cool seeing that you know uh, business is in good hands. Yeah, I love it. Love the optimistic view there. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, just watching that and just knowing your story and just watching that, uh, that talk, it's just, you know, it's it, it's something that's got to be talked about right now. It's uh, not just in wrestling overall. Just anybody can watch that and kind of be impacted by it and can learn from it, I think, in many ways. So definitely would recommend anybody to, uh, to give that a listen and give it a watch. Very, very cool. I appreciate that. Thank you, Justin, for joining me at the top of the show. Thank you very much to Sammy Callahan and MVP and Scott Fishman, a great group of people here on the Winkly today. We're going to be back tomorrow. Two more big interviews on top of all the news. Of course, Justin will be here uh, tomorrow and Thursday on the Winkly. But tomorrow, uh, interview-wise, we'll have DDP, Diamond Dallas Page on the show, as well as Taya 
Valkyrie. And uh, if you want to see us alongside those names and many more, come on out to StarCast Friday, May 24th, 2 p.m. on the Podcast Movement stage at Tuscany Suites and Casino. We're going to be putting on our pro- we're going to be putting on our Wrestling Inc. Hoot Nanny. We're just shortening it. It's just the Wrestling Inc. Hoot Nanny. I had a nice talk with Raj about what we're going to do this morning. We're going to be having some great discussions. We're going to be getting you guys in the mix. We're going to be playing games with you. We're going to be giving away prizes. We're going to have some special guests. I think you're going to have a great time. So come on out to that. Uh, if you want to, is Raj going to be there? Yeah, Raj. Yeah, Raj. Raj and I are going to be there. We're going to both be on stage. Oh. Well, yeah. I know you were. I didn't know Raj. That's tremendous. Yeah, Raj is flying in for it. Raj will be there. Glenn will be Maybe there. Maybe I'll fly in. Maybe I'll fly in. If you want to come in, let me know. You can be in the panel. You can join us. Come on stage. I'll think about it. It's fine. Yeah, Raj will be there. Glenn's coming. Kelsey and John are coming. And then Joey G is going to uh, be there as well. So we'll have a lot of us there. We're all going to try to like play around as part of the panel here. Engage that's, a whole with the- pos- that's a whole posse. You guys are like rolling deep. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna crash the, the press conference and weigh in and beat somebody down to like let our presence be known. And then you're going to spray paint them, right? <laughs> we're going to put the rest of the Raj is going to spray paint in blue. W I N C like across the back of uh let's say let's say Hangman Page. That seems unrealistic, you know? <laughs> make sure you have Vir- make sure you have Virgil there with you for security. He he'll do it. Here's a here's a twenty dollar gift card to, to Target. Walk in with us. Come on. I'm gonna knock him down. You have you have you have no idea how ridiculous how ridiculous it is to live in the same city that Virgil lives in, and that's my situation. And 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 you know, the wrestling community is only so big and there's promotions here and I've had them on my podcast and studio. I've it <laughs> I just the 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 guy's either the greatest worker of his gimmick or he's just effing stupid. I've heard he's I've heard he's done well. Like I've heard he's got a nice house and everything. He's just a hustler. I think that's why he's out there every day, just trying to make some more coin. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know about that nice house thing anymore, but nonetheless. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we'll get we'll talk to Dombrowski. We can get a follow up to Virgil and the legend of his traveling merchandise table. <laughs> An actual documentary you can buy if you go online. Yes. Uh, if you want to support the site, go over to ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wrestling Inc. You can get the old school logo shirt. You get our Jack Journalist t-shirt. You can also go over to our iTunes page. Five-star ratings, nice comments, or fart jokes are always appreciated. I'm really kind of I'm kind of encouraging people to leave fart jokes on our iTunes page because it just makes me laugh. Um, and lastly here, if you want to uh, watch Raj Geary and I, who will be at StarCast every Friday, we do a video version of the Winkly where we look at the top five stories of the week. We've been uh, releasing an interview. You can go download the Ringside Wrestling app. It's free to download every Friday, 2 p.m. Central Time. Uh, we go live with it, and uh, you can check it out and join the chat room and, and enjoy the show. That's uh, that's it for me. Justin, what do you uh, want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up today? Hit me up on social media, at Justin Labar, and I encourage you right now, as soon as you're done listening to this, open up a tab on your browser. Just type in WrestleRumble.com, WrestleRumble.com, and just look at the, all that. It's all on one page, very easy to find, and it's just the details of – of what you can win, and you basically just sign up. You make you answer the questions they ask you of who's going to win at Money in the Bank, and it's not just straight up wins or losses. It's also like who's the first person to touch the briefcase, and they ask little little prop bets. You know who? You know it's it's a whole lot of fun. It makes watching these shows that much more exciting. And again, uh, each 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 question is worth a certain amount of points. Those who have the most points and finish in the top five get the prize money and prizes that are outlined right there on it. So WrestleRumble.com, I guarantee you'll do it, and you'll have a blast, and you'll want to do it again. Uh, have, yes, go have fun, guys. Make your put all the monies on Sami Zayn. It's a sure thing. I'm telling you. I watched him do his business before the race started. He's running light, so that's the one you want to get behind. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am Nick Hausman at Wink Rebel. Over on, that was a Jeff Foxworthy joke. Did you get that? I got it. Okay. 
I didn't know if anybody. I didn't know if, if you wanted to jump in there or not. I got it though. Uh, <laughs> I am Nick Houseman at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you which wink, did you <laughs> did you get enough beer? Did which you did you? What you gonna do is all right. Anyway, we're done. We'll be back tomorrow. Remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs>